Hey everyone, welcome to the Overflow Podcast, where pastor, author, speaker, and consultant Jim Stern explores various benefits and blessings of life lived in the overflow of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's love. There is so much to discover, to learn, to feel, and to see when God goes first and we live in the overflow. All right, here we go. Here we go. Another edition of The Overflow. Man, I love being in The Overflow. I love the concept, the reality of The Overflow, that everything God our Father is just pouring into us. He's initiating life and everything. We are not manufacturers. The pressure of manufacturing in our life is those who follow Jesus is relieved from us. We don't manufacture anything in our lives. In The Overflow, we are receivers. We, we receive from the Father, we receive from the Son, we receive from the Holy Spirit. We are users of that which God our Father puts into our lives. And then we are distributors because God our Father is going to bless us beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine with more than we need for ourselves. The love He's going to give us is more love than we need for ourselves that we can pour out on other people. And so I'm, I'm excited about the God potential, the God possibilities of life and the overflow. It's, it is uh, only limited Life potential in the overflow is only limited by the one who is supplying life. And the one who is supplying life is God. And so the limitations are God's size. The potential is God's size. And so life in the overflow every day should be exhilarating, should have the potential, should have the uh, just the, the exuberance, even in the hard times, even in the challenges, even in grief and sorrow and suffering, which... It's certainly part of life in the overflow. Overflow living is not absent of tragedy and trial, of darkness and pain. But it is those things in the flow and the current and the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is just an absolute game changer. So here we are in the overflow. If, if, you got to hit that uh, notification button, subscribe button. Make sure you get all of the uh, latest content that we are delivering uh, as we seek to be a proactive force uh, against lifeless teaching, lifeless training, so much of what we get in the faith is so limited, so incomplete in presenting a clear and concise and compelling picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and how to live in the overflow. So like, subscribe, share, do all those things to help us spread the message from Trexo uh, as we seek to build kingdom movements of life and love, one person, one step, one issue at a time. We're in this deal on the four Babylons. We're digging into the four Babylons, and and we looked uh, last week at the uh, or two weeks ago, however long ago it was last week was Thanksgiving, uh, at the prologue and Shem and Ham and Japheth and uh, the cursing on Ham and Ham's lineage to Nimrod and Nimrod is the builder of Babel, and we're going to look at all that today. If you didn't get that, you need to go back and get it. You need because this is sequential. Uh, for Babylon's, it's sequential, and you really need to go back and pick that one up to get the fullness of. Uh, of the lay of the land of what this is, uh, how all of these things are interconnected. So let's get into what we're, we're, we're looking at today. And we're going to jump off in this way. When you think, uh, let's think of branding. Let's, let's think of brands that are synonymous with the kind of product or service that they are delivering. What I mean by that is this. When you think of copiers, when you think of paper copiers, what brand name comes to mind? For most of you, it's going to be Xerox. Me, you think of copiers, it's just synonymous. Copiers, Xerox. In the, simil- in, the, in the same way, similarly, when you think of tissue paper, what brand name comes to mind? And for most of us, it's going to be Kleenex. Kleenex. So we get in that, we're getting into that mindset. Copiers, Xerox, tissue paper, Kleenex. When you think of rebellious nation states, I know that's a big jump 
from cleaners and or copiers and, and tissue paper, but eh, work with me. When you think of rebellious nation states, what nation comes to mind? I have no idea what your answer is, uh, and your answer will have to do with your degree of which you know history. Uh, but biblically, when you think of rebellious nation states, biblically, your mind should pop to Babylon, should pop to Babylon. According to scripture, Babylon is synonymous with collectivized, government-led, nation-state rebellion against God. Babylon, as we're going to see today, becomes the first name in organized nation states rebelling against God. You got to get you got to get that Babylon, 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 Babylon is synonymous with uh, uh, government states rebelling against God. Now, again, we are pressing into learning about this Babylonian thread because of the wisdom that we are gaining about the behind-the-scenes supernatural reality of life. We're pressing into an understanding of Babylon because you can't really understand the big picture of, of what God our Father is doing in creation apart from understanding Babylon. And understanding the big picture of what God is doing in creation is essential to understanding the meaning of your life. Your life has such incredible value and such incredible purpose, uh, uh, such incredible meaning. And it's really hard to grab a hold of that in the fullness, apart from understanding the big picture of what God our Father is doing. And in the big picture of what God our Father is doing, Babylon is essential. It's, it is the nemesis. It is the city-state that is and represents the city-state, the collectivism of man that is actively at war against the kingdom of the living God in, in the big picture. And so w- without understanding that, it's really, really difficult to for you and I to really fully appreciate. And like every day, like every day, like I'm recording this on a Monday, uh, November 27th, whatever day it is that you're listening to this, for you to be able to embrace on the day that you're listening to this, the fullness of who you are and the meaning of your life and the purpose of your life. It's very, very, very difficult for you to step in the fullness of that apart from this big picture, what's called meta-narrative, understanding what God is doing and Babylon is in the center of that. And so we're drilling into this four Babylons, hopefully in a way that's super accessible to you. Four, easy, one, two, three, four. Um, uh, Babel threads all throughout scripture. It's hard to read scripture, not come across it in, in a way that is meaningful to you and has impact. So let's keep pressing in. Last week, we established the four Babylons. Uh, the first one is the Tower of Babel, Genesis 9 to 11, that we'll look at today. The second is the Great Babylonian Empire um, that has no biblical referent. There's a hint, but it's not really well developed. So the second one is the Great Babylonian Empire. The, the, the third Babylon is the Neo-Babylonian Empire, which is all over Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel. Uh, you will remember if you've been around the Bible at all for any period of time, you will remember King Nebuchadnezzar. He is the preeminent king of the Neo-Babylonian Empire. So you got Babel, got the Great Babylonian Empire, got the Neo-Babylonian Empire, and the last Babylon is Revelation Babylon that we first hear about in Revelation 14. It goes from Revelation 14 to 18. 14 to 18. So those are the four, those are the four Babylons. And we remember that Babylon, the city, was first built. Uh, by Nimrod. Nimrod is the son of Ham. Ham is cursed, uh, or is in the lineage of Ham, excuse me. And we remember Shem, Japheth, and Ham. Shem, the Semitic peoples, of uh, uh, who the Jews are in the lineage of Shem, 
uh, Ham cursed Canaan, Cush, um, uh, uh, and then in the lineage of Ham is Nimrod who builds Babel. Babel will become at war against Jerusalem. And it goes all the way back to, uh, to Noah getting drunk coming off the boat. And we, and we looked at that last week and we won't, we won't rehash that anymore. But again, I'd encourage you to go back uh, and listen to or read uh, last week so you can be, get reconnected in all of that. Today we're going to look at uh, the first Babylon, Babel, in Genesis chapter 11, commonly called the Tower of the Tower of Babel. And hopefully that sounds like a very familiar story to you. Now, in the run up to Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel happens in Genesis 11. In the run up to Genesis 11, God our Father has commanded man to spread out and to fill the earth. God our Father has given man a creation mandate. I'm going to bless you. Um, uh, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And God our Father is going to provide for them, be faithful to them. They're going to get to enjoy intimacy with God our Father. They were going to obey that which God our Father commanded them to do. But what happens in Genesis chapter 11 verse 2 says that all of man journeys east. They come to a plain called Shinar and they settle and they settle. So strike one, God says, go and spread out. Man gathers and settles. Man, God says, go and, go and spread out. Man says, go and settle gather and settle. Of course, what, what could go wrong? Well, a lot. Uh, Genesis 11, three, that's Genesis 11, two man settles Genesis 11, three. We get this recording, uh, the story, the next piece in the story, they collective man, the citizens say to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. Let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. Uh, bricks are a new technology at that time. New technology. They didn't have bricks before. Now they've developed, they've discovered someone in their fold invented a scientist, an engineer, an entrepreneur, uh, an inventor invented bricks. It was a brand new technology and bricks gave man the ability to build in ways they could not have built before. Now, Today, you and I live in a time of rapid technological breakthrough, rapid technological breakthrough. In fact, in the blog, there's a link to the MIT's list of the top breakthroughs in 2023. I'll put a link to it uh, both in the uh, podcast and in the the YouTube video. Uh, What we see is that every breakthrough presents wonderful opportunities for improving life. Every breakthrough, technological breakthrough, presents wonderful opportunities for improving life. However, at the exact same time, every new thing presents opportunity to rebel against the life and love of God in his ways. New technology can go one of two ways. So a new pain management drug also becomes a new source of addiction and death. An app like Instagram provides a wonderful way for friends and family to stay connected, to share life together, while at the same time, the dark side, it's been proven that Instagram is causing teenage girls to feel greater depression. Technology can absolutely have a dark side to it. Unfortunately, the Babylonians who who settle at Shinar choose to leverage brick technology to further their rebellion. They use what could have been a technological breakthrough for great things to further darkness 
uh, and, and rebellion uh, in their attitude against uh, God and his word for their lives. In fact, their rebellion forms what I'm going to call a Babylonian attitude, a Babylonian attitude. And attitude forms in the people of Babylon as they organize themselves to do collectively what they could not do individually. And sadly, the core of their attitude, what would distinguish their culture, is rebellion. Maybe they gathered together collectively and did good and, and, and collectively sought the will of God. Unfortunately, they gathered together and the core of their attitude, what we distinguish, is rebellion against God. So collective rebellion begins to form the heart of the Babylonian people. Now, let's talk about this collective attitude for a second. I live in Texas. I live in Texas. I moved to Texas in 1996. It's 2023. It's a long time. Uh, I distinctly remember soon after I got here being struck by the depth of love that Texans have for their state. Oh, Texans love them some Texas. For true Texans, the world is divided by Texas and not Texas. They actually have maps that show the, the world divided by Texas and not Texas. And a true Texan would reply to that observation by saying, well, yeah, of course. It wouldn't even be a piece of revelation for them. Uh, there's an attitude to Texas that to Texans, there's an attitude to Texans that pervades Texas. The attitude's in the air. Everyone breathes it, even if they don't know they're breathing, and everyone is in varying degrees affected by it. Now, before I lived in Texas, I lived in Washington, D.C. Ooh, man, D.C. absolutely has its own very, very, very pervasive attitude. And, and so I'm citing uh, D.C. I'm adding D.C. to Texas to hopefully stir you to consider other groups of people which you've been a part of that have collective attitudes. Maybe your university, like I went to Virginia Tech. We've got a pretty strong, pervasive attitude at Virginia Tech. It ain't nothing like Texas A&M or, or other schools in the Southeastern Conference uh, where there's a collective attitude, trying to get you in that mindset of collective, collective attitude because there's this pervasive Babylonian attitude and it, it becomes the attitude of rebellion. And the seed of that attitude, the beginning of that attitude is right here. Or we're reading it, Genesis 11, 2, 3, 4, 5. We're reading the, the birth of that cultural attitude one word at a time. And we're seeing it manifest in the Babylonian people one brick at a time. One brick at a time. Now, their justification, watch their justification for their rebellion, for the way in which they use bricks is read, is given to us in Genesis eleven four. They said, the Babylonians said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose, whose top will reach into heaven. And let us make, watch this, let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered. Otherwise, now remember, God, our father said, go, 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 spread out, spread out, spread out, go everywhere. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to bless you. You're going to be my people and just go. And they said, no, we're going to stay. We're going to stay and we're going to build. That's not what God said. Now, now they say in the first place, we're going to build for ourselves a city. N not because God our Father is leading them to build it, and not for God's glory, but Babylon is going to be built for the people themselves. And so Babylonian attitude, Babylonian rebellion is very, very, very self-serving. It's about what I want and what I need. Now, they say we're going to build for ourselves a city, and we're going to build a tower whose top is going to reach into heaven. You say, why a tower? city doesn't need a tower. Let's build as big and as tall we want to get as high as we possibly can. 
uh, what we can do will even reach into the heaven. Babylonian rebellion loves to show off. It is grandiose. It is the highest of the high. If 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 X goes this high, Y is going to go even higher. Babylonian uh, rebellion is grandiose. It wants more. It wants bigger. It wants higher. They go on. Letting a tower is going to re- reach into heaven and let us make for ourselves a name. Let's build for ourselves a city. Let's make a tower. Let's make a name for ourselves. The name that God has for them is not sufficient. The will that God has for them is not not sufficient. The name will be their name and it will be for them. That's Babylonian rebellion. Feeling great comes from what man can do for himself. And then lastly, they say, otherwise, we will be scattered. Collective rebellion responds to fear. Collective rebellion does not trust in God's faithfulness to provide as he fills the earth in obedience. God says, fill the earth. Babylonian rebellion interprets that and says, "Eh, we're going to be scattered. I don't like that. I'm afraid of that. Babylonian rebellion perverts the love and the faithfulness of the Father by turning what he says is right and good into something evil and something wrong. That is the genesis. Uh, No pun intended. That is the beginning of Babylonian attitude, collective Babylonian attitude that sets the stage for Babylonian culture, Babylonian attitude that would pervade them for the rest of this biblical thread. So hopefully this attitude is being, it sounds increasingly familiar. You should be able to pick up on satanic echoes, satanic echoes. Where is Satan when Babel is happening? Satan is very present behind the scenes, whispering, leading, building the Tower of Babel. We know this because we can hear the similarities from Isaiah 14. And Isaiah 14 seems to describe the fall of Lucifer. Isaiah 14 seems to describe the fall of Lucifer. At some point, Lucifer was one of the three named archangels rebels against. He's the first rebel. So the rebellion that we see in Babel is nothing more than a follow-up, a wave of the rebellion that first began by Lucifer, the father of rebellion. And Isaiah 14 captures what was going on in the mind of Lucifer when he rebelled. Watch this and see if you can hear in this echoes of the Babylonian rebellion. Isaiah 14, 13 to 14 says, But you, Lucifer, said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars, and I will sit on the, on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Can you hear the reverberations? As each brick is laid at Babylon, Satan wants a name for himself. He wants to get as high as God. He wants to be magnified. Rebellion is in the heart of Satan. While he's not specifically mentioned in Genesis chapter 11, his imprint is absolutely undeniable. Satan, the prince of rebellion, seduced Adam and Eve to rebel as in the heart and mind of Nimrod, cursed of Ham, and the first Babylonian leaders, scientists, engineers, architects, and builders. The collectivism of those experts is harnessed in the government state to rebel against God. Babylon is the first gathering, organized, collective of man to rebel against God in the spirit of Satan. Copiers, Xerox, tissues, Kleenex, Government in rebellion, Babylon. Now, of course, God responds to collectivized man, Genesis, uh, in, in the Tower of Babel by coming down to see the top of man's tower, which is quite comical. 
uh, as high as man can build, God still has to come a very, very, very long, long way down. It's like a little kid who's building his Lego blocks and he thinks it's this monstrous thing. According to him, it's this monstrous tower and his dad walks in and it's, you know, it's just this little dent in the floor or this little, this little building on the floor. But to the kid, it's like, oh, look at this big tower until the dad, it's that, it's that same kind of picture where our, our father, dad is coming down to see this little Lego tower that, that man has built with all of his collective uh, with all of his uh, with all of his collective might, and he comes down and and he responds by scattering man. God responds by scattering man, doing the very thing to them that they fear, and in so doing, God separates man around his creation and confuses man's language. This is where we get the beginning of the dispersal of languages. Hence, the name Babylon. Babylon means confused. It means confused. So by scattering mankind, God is inhibiting them from unifying, from coming against him as one people. God spreads them out. God spreads them out. So it shouldn't be a surprise to us today that Satan is actively working to unify man as an army of defiance against the kingdom of God. It should not be a surprise to us today. He's been working. Do you need to know this? Satan has been working to reunify man since Babel. So it's no surprise in Revelation 14 to the end of times as the Apostle John is prophesying about a future war between gathered mankind and the kingdom of God that the Apostle John would declare that Babylon will fall. Do you see that? First nation state, Xerox, Kleenex, Babylon. When John is thinking about collective mankind coming together, Babylon, it's Babylon, it's Babylon. Ultimately, victory is going to happen when Revelation Babylon is toppled and God's people reign under God's Messiah, King Jesus. King Jesus. Now, there's so much to take from the Tower of Babel. So much to take from the Tower of Babel. Satan is at work in nation states to war against divine purposes. Satan's favorite tactic is to lure people into making a name for themselves away from contentment in their godly inheritance. That you want to seek a name for yourself, that I want to seek a name for myself, that I want to be known as the man, that you want to be known as the man, that you want to be known as the woman, that you want to be seen as the greatest in your company or the go-to person in your company, or that you want to be seen as the greatest parent in your community, in your neighborhood, that want to make a name for yourself is at its heart satanic. To be satanic doesn't necessarily mean one has to have a shrine to Satan or wear a pentagram. It can merely be, it can, one can merely live seeking to advance one's name and in so doing become a servant of Satan. The Tower of Babel also warns us about technology and using technology for something other than the purposes of God. But for me, and maybe for you as well, maybe the big takeaway from the Tower of Babel is a further reinforcement that our lives exist as a part of a much bigger narrative. And the, the narrative is real seamless, uh, a much bigger narrative. Uh, you who have been adopted into God's family through Jesus and filled with his spirit have been, have been brought into our Father's kingdom to engage in our Father's kingdom mission. Your life should be filled with and defined by kingdom purpose. You have incredible value, incredible meaning, incredible, incredible potential. And the Tower of Babel and the thread that the Tower of Babel sets up for the rest of the Bible in this Babylonian uh, encapsulation of collective mankind in a nation state warring against the kingdom of God should should enlighten you to the big picture of what's going on in our world today and then empower you, empower you, empower every single one of us who call on the name of Jesus to chest out 
chest pumping, filled with this Holy Spirit oxygen, that your life matters in the kingdom of God, that you are a part of this galactic war that exists between God our Father in the name of Jesus and the power of a new Jerusalem being being allied against Babylon and the forces of Satan and the prince of darkness as he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy life. There's nothing individualistic about living in the overflow of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There are individual benefits, absolutely, but it is the individual benefits in the context of being a part of the kingdom of God and in kingdom in kingdom warfare. So may our Father use this blog series to enlighten you and empower you in the kingdom reality of life and four Babylons so that you understand that overflow living your life uh, what Jesus has done for you, the, 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 the race that God our Father has called for you to run is not a race of an individual. It's a collective race of brothers and sisters in Christ locked arm, to, the arm in arm to advance the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven against Babylon and all of its various forms so that we can experience the fullness of life ourselves and rescue other people and be lovers of people one step, one person, one step, one issue at a time. If this has been helpful to you, uh, please, man, send it around all over the place. Uh, Further reading, Genesis chapter 9, Genesis chapter 10, Genesis chapter 11, you'll see it all jump right off the page. Uh, Isaiah 14, uh, Revelation 14, we'll continue to walk those verses out in 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 the next coming weeks as we lead into Christmas, as we lead into Christmas, which is the birth not only of our Savior, but is also the birth of our King. God bless you, man. Send this around. If you can donate and help us out financially, we would certainly appreciate that. Trexo.org backslash donate. If I can help your ministry, your organization in a consulting capacity, speaking capacity, uh, discipling capacity, training capacity, any way at all, you get all that information off the Trexo.org website. Otherwise, God bless you. And we will look forward, I'll look forward to being back together, being back together with you again the next time we are uh, uh, with one another in the overflow. Thank you for joining us in The Overflow. To find a blog connected to today's session where you can engage with Jim and others, go to trexo.org forward slash blog. This podcast is made available through the gracious giving of people just like you. If you would like to help us bring more people into the healing waters of our Father's love, you can do so at trexo.org forward slash donate. We will be back next week for another edition of Overflow.